Hello. Greetings. And welcome to Infinite Cast, Season 2, Inherent In- Cast. Inherent Cast. <laughs> uh, thank you all who uh, have followed us on this journey and who are continuing from one of the silliest podcast ideas ever mm. to uh, the, the, uh, the second iteration that makes it, uh, that legitimizes the entire idea. Wow. I think so. You, th- you think so? You think that things things aren't real until they get a season two? Well, yes, and it's also that it, it proves that we're, we're showing that it's not just one thing, but it, that can continue. We're no one-trick ponies over here. Yes, exactly. We have at least two tricks. I mean, the show will always be rooted in the concept of what if we read the entirety of, of uh, Infinite Jest yes. on Mike. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, a good bit. It, a great bit. And as as we have been saying all this time is that the greatest bits are ones you stick to. Yeah, you it only the joke really only works in that we actually did the whole thing. Yeah. Can you imagine how many other people would have started it and fallen off? I mean, it, who's who can say and I, you know, fam- famous I would say famously on this podcast. It's not famously uh, others have said that they were going to do podcasts about Infinite Jest that are still in limbo. Yes, in uh, an infinite, inf- infinite limbo. Yes, uh, and I feel good. You know, accomplishing things feels good. Accomplishing things does feel good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it do- it does. Even though there is, of course, always a great <laughs> discontent, a sense that more can be achieved, uh, further depths can be reached, uh, further further vibes can be sought. And that's why we're still here. Yes. So last week we uh, asked you to you the listeners to vote on what we were going to do uh, next, and over on Twitter.com now X the everything app. Man. Um. And we did, and the winner was pretty hand handily inherent vice Decis- by almost decisively. double the next the next yeah. uh, the next vote getter. Yes. So here we are with. Thomas Pynchon's inherent vice. Molly, what experience with Pynchon do you have? Um, I have read, I've read Gravity's Rainbow, as I said in here before. It's a long time ago. I feel like my cells have turned over several times since. Yes. Uh, it it's a that that book is a hell of a book. Uh, I am always in a big big book mode. Not always, but more in my younger years. I had a kind of um, a, a big, big dick. I wanted to big dick literature, you yes. know, uh, by reading the biggest, uh, most ju- juiciest, uh, toughest reputation books. And I did read Gravity's Rainbow. <sighs> I read V again a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have read um, Inherent Vice uh, probably just a couple years after it came out. Possibly your copy? Do I, I have a copy of Inherent Vice? You do, yeah. I have not read Inherent Vice. It's current. <laughs> How did you get a copy of it? I, is it just one of those things that like showed up in my house because I was like Maybe. a 20 something man in, in uh, the 2010s? Yeah. I did. I might have st- I might have taken a, a screener copy home from Slate or something it when the movie new. came out. Yeah, maybe. It did not pass the spine check. Yeah. Um uh, this is all to say I'm a f- I'm a fan um of Pinchon. Thomas Pinchon. Pinchon. That is apparently the way he has pronounced it himself. Thomas Pinchon. But Pinchon. in uh in I was catching myself up on his Wikipedia page uh, before we started. 
Uh, but we can say Pynchon. I don't. Th- I don't think he would mind. Yes. Uh, um, how do you? Something's going on with you. Am I? Yeah, am, no, am I getting fine. interference? Uh, it's fine. Is the signal getting? Through? Yes. Um, what about what about yourself? I haven't read any Pynchon. I'm a I'm a fucking rube. I haven't read anything. You know. You know that the only thing that I actually read is like books about the Thirty Years' War. You've now. been you've been watching things. You've been watching uh, <laughs> movies. You've got you've got more movies. movies than I do. Uh, uh, I we have I have however seen the Inherent Vice movie at least twice, probably three times. Okay. I like that movie a lot, and I was a little wary of doing a m- book w- that I had seen the movie version of, which is why. One of the reasons why everything that we gave you the option of selecting I has a movie mm-hmm. that I have seen. Yeah. So that they were all on equal playing field. But the thing about Inherent Vice, the movie, is that even though I've seen that movie two or three times, I could not describe the plot of Inherent Vice to you. So I don't think it matters that much. <laughs> yeah. A note on on plot is that having read the book and see I've seen the movie one and a half times, I fell asleep the second time. Uh, that's a normal thing for me to do yes. is to fall asleep during movies. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's female tendencies. That is female tendencies. Uh, is that yeah? The plot is uh involved circuitous. Uh, what what are other lo- loopy, loopy, uh, tangential, tangential, uh, convoluted, uh, almost mimicking the the feeling of being so stoned that you have no idea what the fuck yes. is going on. It- to which some which I know irritates some people. To which I would say, uh, Shaggy, get, Shaggy, get a better brain. Oh, uh, to me, it's just a it's proof of the the interesting ways that one can process narrative. This is a postmodern novel. Yes, it's supposed to uh, subvert in some ways the cliches of a noir detective yes. uh, style book. We will get into what that actually means. Uh, it's amazing. Have we gotten into post postmodernism yet? Where are we on the modernism question? Yes. <laughs> How far away can can we go? Is there a new a new postmodernism? Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> we just watched we just watched the movie Oppenheimer, and there's a great little sequence. Spoiler alert! Cover your ears. I'll let you know when it, to come back in. Where at the beginning, where Oppenheimer is getting his mind blown by things like cubism and. Yes. Uh, did, what does he listen to? Like uh, Stravinsky or something? Or something? Yeah, Stravinsky, yeah. You know, there was a time in the 20th century when it was like, yeah. whoa, let's go. Let's narrative uh, formalism. Let's just go absolutely nuts, man. Yes. Let's let's take the let's take the the I don't even know what pill. Let's take let's take the postmodernism pill, I guess. Uh, well, how about this either? Uh, have you engaged with mu- much detective fiction? Not much. I've read, um, you know, the the big the Mal- I've read the Maltese Falcon. Falcon. Uh, I've read some, you know, kind of literary sort of takes on the detective novel. Um, uh, I feel like one one Q eighty four was kind of a detective novel in a sort of way. Yes. Uh, you know, the sort of thing where it's like, what the hell is going on? Let's get to the bottom of this. But I'm I'm pretty weak on that. I I feel. You you might have read. Yes, more than I did I have. have a phase where I was going through and and picking up some of the classic da- the Dashiell Hammetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the Ray Chandlers, mm-hmm. uh, Raymond Chandlers. Um, you're on a you're on a nickname basis with Raymond yeah, Chandler. I, my buddy Ray and mm-hmm. Dash. Ew. Uh, so I have engaged with those. So I feel like I have a, a little a good a decent grounding on the the kind of source material that's riffing on. And you know, also this is uh this is an appropriate one because it you know my understanding of Pinchon is that he is. Very much uh, woo-woo through the lens of Southern California. 
woo woo and yet and yet not. We'll get into this, but he has surfed the uh, the parallel waves of like uh, institutional American military industrial complex yes. vibes. Yes, and the countercultural vibes of being a freaking fiction writer. Yes, in America, uh, that's that is the the dream of California. It is both. Uh, you know, a place where you can just fucking surf and smoke some grass, and it's also where we uh, are inventing and making a lot of things to uh, to uh, stay at war people. all yes. the time. <laughs> constant war forever, constant Sh- war. Shout out to all our friends at the Rand Corporation. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, uh, but that's that's what uh, that's what California is. California might be the most American state. Yes. In that sense, is because it's the one we got to more or less at last. The very end. Yes. It is the manifest. Is the destiny of the manifest. Yes. Uh, we had to uh, kick a bunch of people out. You sound to get like here. you sound like Marath. It is the destiny of the manifest. It is the destiny. It is the destiny of the manifest. And we have now we live in California, yes, which is, trips is me out daily. So this will be an interesting. Uh, uh, changeover, Infinite Jest, despite having some Phoenix uh, locations. It is more of a north- very much an East Coast. Yes, it's an East Coast story. Book. This is a West Coast book. We're catching the West Coast energy. Mm-hmm. We're picking up the vibes. Let's see how it goes. All right, let's let's crack it open. Uh, here, let's switch microphones really okay. quickly. Let's crack it open. Do you want to do a technical? No, reset it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Right. I'm I'm good. Okay. Uh, let's crack it open. We do not have a hard copy of this now. No. Once we do, I will do. Our, we will do our best to explain which version of the book that we have. Although I'm so I'm reading off a Kindle that has 370 pages. It's possible that this corresponds with a regular one to uh, uh, the current edition, but we can confirm that at a later date. Great. Uh, 370 pages. That's 37 weeks. Sure. Less than a year. We'll see. All right. Let's go. Let's let's do it. Listen, la- last time it was very, you know, we were we were compartmentalizing. We were planning this time. I'm just ready to go with the flow, man. Yeah. Let's let's riff. All, All right. right. Inherent Vice by Thomas Pinchon. Uh, chapter one. Uh, it's weird to not ha- do year of the dependent all undergarment. Yes. We're in we're in we're in a we're in BS. We're in before subsidized time. It's 1970. Uh, all right. She came along the alley and up the back steps the way she always used to. Doc hadn't seen her for over a year. Nobody had. Back then, it was always sandals, bottom half of a flower print bikini, faded Country Joe and the Fish t-shirt. Tonight, she was all in Flatland gear, hair a lot shorter than he remembered, looking just like she swore she'd never look. That you, Shasta? Thinks he's hallucinating. Just the new package, I guess. They stood in the street light through the kitchen window. There'd never been much point putting curtains over and listened to the thumping of the surf from down the hill. Some nights when the wind was right, you could hear the surf all over town. Need your help, Doc. You know I have an office now? Just like a day job and everything? <laughs> I looked in the phone book, almost went over there, but then I thought, better for everybody if this looks like a secret rendezvous. Okay, nothing romantic tonight. Bummer but it still might be a paying gig. Somebody's keeping a close eye. Just spent an hour on surface streets trying to make it look good. How about a beer? He went to the fridge, pulled two cans out of the case he kept inside, handed one to Shasta. There's this guy, she was saying. (laughs) There would be, but why get emotional? If he had a nickel for every time he'd heard a client start off this way, he could be over in Hawaii now, loaded day and night digging the waves at Waimea, or better yet, hiring somebody to dig them for him. (laughs) Gentlemen of the straight world persuasion, he beamed. 
Okay, Doc, he's married. Some money situation? She shook back hair that wasn't there and raised her eyebrows. So what? Groovy with Doc. And the wife, she knows about you? Shasta nodded. But she's seeing somebody too. Only it isn't just the usual. They're working together on some creepy little scheme. To make off with hubby's fortune. Yeah, I think I heard of that happening once or twice around L.A. And you want me to do what exactly? He found the paper bag he'd brought his supper home in and got busy pretending to scribble notes on it because straight chick uniform, makeup supposed to look like no makeup or whatever. Here came that old well-known hard-on Shasta was always good for sooner or later. Does it ever, does it ever end, he wondered. Of course it does. It did. They went in the front room and Doc laid down on the couch and Shasta stayed on her feet and sort of drifted around the place. Is they want me in on it, she said. They think I'm the one who can reach him when he's vulnerable or as much as he ever gets. Bare ass and asleep. I knew you'd understand. You're still trying to figure out if it's right or wrong, Shasta? Worse than that, she drilled him with that gaze he remembered so well, when he remembered. How much loyalty I owe him. I hope you're not asking me. Beyond the usual boilerplate, people owe anybody their fucking steady. Thanks. Dear Abby said this about the same thing. <laughs> Groovy. Emotions aside, then, let's look at the money. How much of the rent he's been picking up? All of it. Just for a second, he caught the old narrowed eye, narrow-eyed defiant grin. Pretty hefty? For Hancock Park. Doc whistled the title notes from Can't Buy Me Love, ignoring the look on her face. <laughs> You're giving him IOUs for everything, of course. You fucker, if I'd have known you were still this bitter. Me? Trying to be professional here is all. How much were wifey and the BF offering to cut you in for? Shasta named a sum. Doc had outrun souped-up Rolls's full of indignant smack dealers on the Pasadena freeway, doing a hundred in the fog and trying to steer through all those crudely engineered curves. Hey, I know what that means now. <laughs> I've driven on this car on this road. Uh, he'd walked up back, back alleys east of the L.A. River with nothing but a borrowed fro pick in his baggies for protection, then in and out of the Hall of Justice while holding a small fortune in Vietnamese weed, and these days had nearly convinced himself all of that reckless era was over with, but now he was beginning to feel deeply nervous again. <laughs> this, carefully now, this isn't just a couple of X-rated Polaroids then. Dope planted in the glove compartment, nothing like that. Back when, she could go weeks without anything more complicated than a pout. Now she was laying some heavy combination of face ingredients on him that he <laughs> couldn't read at all. Maybe something she'd picked up at acting school. It isn't what you're thinking, Doc. Don't worry, thinking comes later. What else? I'm not sure, but it sounds like they want to commit him to some loony bin. You mean legally or a snatch of some kind? Nobody's telling me, Doc. I'm just the bait. <laughs> Come to think of it, there'd never been this much sorrow in her voice either. I heard you're seeing somebody downtown. Seeing? Well, oh, you mean Penny? Nice flatland chick out in search of secret hippie love thrills, basically. Also some kind of junior DA in Evel Younger's shop? Doc gave it some thought. You think somebody there can stop this before it happens? Not too many places I can go with this, Doc. Okay, I'll talk to Penny, see what we can see. You're a happy couple. They have names, addresses. When he heard her older gent's name, he said, This is the same Mickey Wolfman who's always in the paper, the real estate big shot? You can't tell anybody about this, Doc. Deaf and dumb, part of the job. Any phone numbers you'd like to share? She shrugged, scowled, gave him one number. 
Try to never use it. <laughs> Groovy, and how do I reach you? You don't. I moved out of the old place, staying where I can anymore. Don't ask. He almost said there's room here when in fact there which in fact there wasn't, but he'd seen her looking around at everything that hadn't changed. The authentic English pub dartboard up on the wagon wheel and the whorehouse swag lamp with the purple psychedelic bulb with a vibrating filament, the collection of model hot rods made entirely of course cans. <laughs> hey, that's a that's in, in common with uh, the infinite jest, the dorm room that has a beer can plane. Do you remember oh yeah. That? The beach volleyball autographed by Wilt Chamberlain and Dayglow felt marker, <laughs> the velvet painting and so forth, with an expression of, you would have to say, distaste. <laughs> he walked her down the hill to where she was parked. Weeknights out here weren't too different from weekends, so this part of town was already all a hoot with fun seekers, drinkers and surfers screaming in the alleys, dopers out on food errands, flatland guys in for a night of hustling stewardesses, Flatland ladies with all too grounded day jobs hoping to be mistaken for stewardesses. Uphill and invisible, traffic out on the boulevard to and from the freeway uttered tuneful exhaust phrases which went echoing out to sea, where the crews of oil tankers sliding along, hearing them, could have figured it for wildlife taking care of nighttime business on an exotic coast. In the last pocket of darkness before the glare of beachfront drive, they came to a pause, a timeless pedestrian gesture in these parts that usually announced a kiss or at least a grabbed ass. But she said, don't come any further. Somebody might be watching by now. Call me or something. You never did let me down, Doc. Don't worry. I'll... No, I mean really ever. Oh, sure I did. You were always true. It had been dark at the beach for hours. He hadn't been smoking much and it wasn't headlights, but before she turned away... He could swear he saw light falling on her face, the orange light just after sunset that catches a face turned to the west, watching the ocean for someone to come in on the last wave of the day into shore and safety. At least her car was the same, the Cadillac ragtop she'd had forever, a 59 Eldorado Biarritz bought used at one of the lots over on Western where they stand out close to the traffic so it'll sweep away the smell of whatever they're smoking. After she drove away, Doc sat on a bench down on the Esplanade Esplanade? Esplanade? Esplanade. Wait, I was waiting for that. After she drove away, cue the vitamin C. Oh, yes. A long slope full of lighted windows. Esplanade. Wind Esplanade. Uh, on, the, on the Esplanade. On the Esplanade. Esplanade. Isn't there a song in this that has a... a on the Esplanade. Also, are you, are, what do you think? Shasta? 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 Shasta. What do you think? Shasta. I'll vote. I'll take your vote. Shasta. 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 Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta. Isn't that a real place? Yeah. So that's how we pronounce Shasta. All right. A long slope full of lighted windows ascending behind him and watch the luminous blooms of surf and the lights of late commuter traffic zigzagging up the distant hillside of Palos Verdes. He ran through things he hadn't asked, like how much she'd come to depend on Wolfman, Wolfman's guaranteed level of ease and power and how ready was she to go back to the bikini and t-shirt lifestyle, and how free of regrets. And least askable of all, how passionately did she really feel about old Mickey? Doc knew the likely reply, I love him, what else? With the unspoken footnote that the word these days was being way too overused, <laughs> anybody with any claim to hipness loved everybody, not to mention other useful apl applications like hustling people into sex activities they might not, given the choice, much care to engage in. Back at his place, Doc stood for a while gazing at a velvet painting from one of the Mexican families who set up their weekend pitches along the boulevards. 
uh, through the green flatland where people still rode horses between Gordita and the freeway. Out of the vans and into the calm early mornings would come sofa-width crucifixions and last suppers, outlaw bikers on elaborately detailed Harleys, superhero badasses in special forces gear packing M16s and so forth. This picture of Doc's showed a Southern California beach that never was. Palms, bikini babes, surfboards, the works. He thought of it as a window to look out of when he couldn't deal with looking out of the traditional glass-type one in the other room. (laughs) Sometimes in the shadows, the view would light up, usually when he was smoking weed, as if the contrast knob of creation had been messed with just enough to give everything an underglow, a luminous edge, and promise that the night was about to turn epic somehow. Except for tonight, which only looked more like work. He got on the telephone and tried to call Penny, but she was out, probably Watusiing the night away, <laughs> opposite some short-haired attorney with a promising career. Cool with Doc. Next, he rang up his Aunt Reet, who lived down the boulevard on the other side of the dunes in a more suburban part of town with houses, yards, and trees, because of which it had been become known as the tree section. <laughs> a few years ago, after divorcing a lapsed Missouri Synod Lutheran with a T-Bird agency and a fatality for the restless homemakers one meets at bars in bowling alleys. Uh, if anybody knows what the deal with the Missouri Synod is, please let me know, because I think it might be like the most influential gathering of Lutherans in the country. All I know is that uh, our Hell on Earth episode about Martin Luther caused some amount of discussion and consternation in the Missouri Synod Lutheran subreddit. It did. Yes. It's amazing. Searching around for discussion of it. And I found Missouri Synod Lutherans talking about it. You think you live in an atheistic America and it's just not true. Yes. We've been, we've been coastal coastal elites for too long. Imagine picking a denomination. Yeah. Oh, or I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't guess know. I'm not not everyone. Yeah, I don't know what it is, what what the Missouri Synod indicates about Lutheranism, but I, I don't know. I think that they might be uh, particularly prominent ones or a particularly Powerful? hardcore Lutheran denomination. I don't know. Do they have influence in society in Missouri, in Missouri? or beyond? Maybe. Let uh, us know. Let us know. Uh, if right. you were a Missouri Synod Lutheran, let me know in the comments. A T-Bird agency and a fatality for the restless homemakers one meets at bars and bowling alleys. Reet had moved down here from the San Joaquin with the kids and started selling real estate. And before long, she had her own agency, which she now ran out of a bungalow on the same oversized lot as her house. Whenever Doc needed to know anything touching on the world of property, Aunt Reet, with her phenomenal lot-by-lot grasp of land use from the desert to the sea, as they like to say on the evening news, was the one he went to. Some days, she prophesied, there will be computers for this. All you'll have to do is type in what you're looking for, or even better, just talk it in. Like that Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and it'll be right back at you with more information than you'd ever want to know. Any lot in the L.A. basin, all the way back to the Spanish land grants. Water rights, encumbrances, mortgage histories, whatever you'd want, trust me, it's coming. Till then, in the real non-sci-fi world, there was Aunt Reed's bordering on the supernatural sense of the land, the stories that seldom appeared in deeds or contracts, especially matrimonial, the generations of family hatreds big and small, the way the water flowed, or used to. She picked up on the sixth ring. The TV set was loud in the background. (laughs) Make it quick, Doc. I got a live one tonight and a quarter ton of makeup to put on yet. What can you tell me about Mickey Wolfman? If she took even a second to breathe, Doc didn't notice. West Side Hawk Deutsche Mafia, 
Biggest of the big. Construction, savings and loans, untaxed billions stashed under an Alp someplace, technically Jewish but wants to be a Nazi, becomes exercised often to the point of violence at those who forget to spell his name with two N's. What's he to you? Doc gave her a rundown on Shasta's visit and her account of the plot against the Wolfman fortune. In the real estate business, Reet remarked, God knows, few of us are strangers to moral ambiguity, but some of these developers, they make Godzilla look like a conservationist, and you might not care to get into this, Larry. Who's paying you? Well, all on spec, eh? Big surprise. Listen, if Shasta can't pay you, maybe that means Mickey's dumped her and she's blaming the wife and wants revenge. Possible, but say I just wanted to hang out and rap with this Wolfman dude. Was that an exasperated sigh? I wouldn't recommend your usual approach. He goes around with a dozen bikers, mostly Aryan Brotherhood alumni, to watch his back, all court-certified badasses. Try making an appointment for once. Wait a minute. I did social studies class a lot, but Jews and the AB, isn't there something about, I forget, (laughs) hatred? The book on Mickey is he's unpredictable, more and more lately. Some would say eccentric. I would say stoned out of his fucking mind. Nothing personal. And this goon squad, they're loyal to him, even if when they were in the place they took some oath with maybe an anti-Semitic clause in it here and there. Drive within 10 blocks of the man, they'll lie down in front of your car. Keep coming, they'll roll a grenade. You want to talk to Mickey? Don't be spontaneous. Don't even be cute. Go through channels. Yeah, but I also don't want to get Shasta in trouble. Where do you think I could run into him? Like, accidentally. (laughs) I promised my kid sister I'd never put her baby in the way of danger. I'm cool with the brotherhood, Aunt Reed. Know the handshake and everything. (laughs) All right, it's your ass, kid. I have major liquid liner issues to deal with here, but I'm told Mickey's been spending time uh, out at his latest assault on the environment, some chipboard horror known as Channel View Estates. Oh, yeah, that. Bigfoot Bjornsson does commercials for them, interrupting strange movies you've never heard of. Well, maybe your old cop buddy's the one who should be taking care of this. Have you been in touch with the LAPD? I did think of going to Bigfoot, Doc said. But just as I was reaching for the phone, I remembered how, being Bigfoot at all, he'd probably try to pop me for the whole thing. Maybe you're better off with the Nazis. I don't envy you the choice. Be careful, Larry. Check in now and then just so I can reassure Elmina that you're still alive. Fucking Bigfoot. Well, wouldn't you know. On some extrasensory impulse, Doc reached for the tube, switched it on, and flipped to one of the off-network channels dedicated to long-ago TV movies and unsold pilots. And sure enough, there was the old hippie-hating mad dog himself, moonlighting after a busy day of a civil rights violation as pitchman for Channel View Estates. A Mickey Wolfman concept, it read underneath the logo. <laughs> like many L.A. cops, Bigfoot, named for his entry method of choice, harbored show business yearnings, and in fact had already appeared in enough character parts from comical Mexicans on The Flying Nun to assistant psychopaths on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea to be paying SAG dues and receiving residual checks. Maybe the producers of these channels... <laughs> uh-huh. as, we, as we podcast, SAG is on strike. Yes. Woohoo! Uh, over said, over said, over, re- res- over such said things re- as residuals. residuals. Which you know, in the seventies, you could be a cop and have a have one appearance on a, on a C tier TV show and still get paid for it for the rest of your life. Recently on Twitter, it emerges that uh um oh god Keith Carradine, who's the one who's not dead? Which Carradine brother is not? I think Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine, yeah. who played Lizzie McGuire's father on the Lizzie McGuire TV show, a show I have a very soft spot for. Yes, posted a video or a photo of a 
$0.00 residual check from being on Lizzie McGuire. Zero dollars. <laughs> you know there's a bar out here called that that if you show you get like a free drink if you show your like residual check and people like bring in their checks for like two cents and whatever. I do I do know that. I, I wonder if they've fallen on hard times too. I wonder. Yeah. Uh, maybe the producers of these channel view spots were desperate enough to be counting on some audience recognition. Maybe, as Doc suspected, Bigfoot was somehow duped into whatever the underlying real estate deal was. Whatever, personal dignity didn't come into it much. Bigfoot showed up on camera wearing get-ups that would have embarrassed the most unironical hippie in California, tonight's being an ankle-length velvet cape and a paisley print of so many jangling psychedelic hues that Doc's tube, a low-end affair purchased in Zodi's parking lot at a Moonlight Madness sale a couple years ago, couldn't really keep up. <laughs> Bigfoot had accessorized his outfit with love beads, shades with peace symbols on the lenses, and a gigantic Afro wig striped in Chinese red, chartreuse, and indigo. Bigfoot often reminded viewers of legendary used car figure Cal Worthington, except where Cal was famous for including live animals in his pitch, Bigfoot's scripts featured a relentless terror squad of small children who climbed all over the model home furniture, performed insubordinate cannonballs into the backyard pools, whooped and hollered, and pretended to shoot, shoot Bigfoot down, screaming freak power and death to the pig. Viewers were ecstatic. Those little kids, they would cry, wow, they're really something, huh? <laughs> no overfed leopard ever got up Cal Worthington's nose the way these kids dig Bigfoot's, but he was a pro, wasn't he? And by God, he would soldier through, closely studying old W.C. Fields and Bette Davis movies, whatever they came on, to see what tips he could pick up for sharing the frame with kids whose cuteness for him was never better than problematical. We'll be chums, he would croak as if to himself, pretending to puff compulsively on a cigarette. We'll be chums. <laughs> there was now sudden hammering on the front door and briefly Doc flashed that it had to be Bigfoot in person about to kick his way in once again, as in days of old. But instead it was Dennis from down the hill, whose name everyone, everybody pronounced to rhyme with penis, appearing even more disoriented than usual. Denis. Denis. Uh, how are we feeling? What's the time? We're at 30 minutes right now. Uh, with the arrival of Dennis, let's call it. Let's call it. We'll keep it short for the we've first got, one. We've got enough to chew on for one episode. Yes. So the motivating uh, question of Infinite uh, Cast, at least at the beginning of our of, infi our, of our we Infinite Just read. <laughs> well, it was two. Uh, is A, is Infinite uh, Just good for, for boys or not? Mm. Uh, which I think we determined... Yeah, it's fine. It's yes. A, yeah. No, it's it is. Good. A, yeah. Um, and then we reading I, we, is good for boys. Yes, we were talking about like <laughs> cultural chaos runes, things that make people insane. Yes, sir. I feel like one of the main themes of this read, if I'm if I can call it early, wow. is uh talking about something that we have discussed at length, uh ourselves, but also um are are now need to proactively resist which is Southern California brain disease. Yeah. You know, which is again, American brain disease. Yes. But um, there, there is a, a specific thing here where it is like so nice in Southern California. Yes. And the quality of life is so high. Yes. That if things go one degree outside of your comfort zone, <laughs> people go insane. <laughs> I.e. if the temperature is above 85 degrees or below 65 degrees. Yes. People are like, it is unacceptable. It is, it is too hot, too cold. Too hot, too that's cold. That's the that's the the primary one. But you know, yeah, having to wait in two minutes of traffic 
to get between one one part of paradise and another part of paradise. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. stuff like that. Yes. So I I don't know. That's just one thing that I feel like uh, is is the question is does Southern California make you go insane? Is it is there such a thing as a too nice place to live? Yes. Is it does it cause uh, brain damage to have the weather be basically the same every day? Yes. And not just the same, but good. But perfect. Uh, per- perfect. Some might say. Yes. Uh, yeah, I I look forward to experiencing this personally and and professionally. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. Also, you know, the the idea of uh, California is like this kind of like free real estate that's not not free at all. Yes. Uh, and you know the the, the the you know when the in the Dust Bowl, everyone, all the all the Okies, uh, packing up all their shit and going to California. Yes. Uh, the Promised Land, uh, the the place where all the stuff grows, and yet. Why is it so full of hippie burnout? Yes. Uh, <laughs> what happens when you get here and you have too good of a time? What happens when you have too good of a time? Which I would argue that's the same thing as Infinite Jest. Yes, it is uh, true. Especially if you think about, uh, which, you know what? I'm I'm very comfortable with intratextual analysis. Uh, in The entertainment in Infinite Jest is uh, is filmmaking. Filmmaking is it is what is done here. Yes. Uh, we, we will see that, I'm sure, in different ways. Form formats and ways in uh, inherent vice. Yes, he's already watching old movies on the tube TV that can't handle the um, psychedelic patterns of mm-hmm. his uh, LAPD nemesis uh, in in that real estate commercial. Uh, I think another thing that will be necessary to contend with is the uh, the uh, the creeping fascism under the mm-hmm. California lifestyle. Yep, uh, which you know I think was. Uh, well, perhaps uh, I always think of as, as a very dead Kennedys esque. I was going to say, uh, R.I.P. Doc Sportello. You would have hated hardcore music. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The yeah, one one of the most interesting phenomenons to me is uh, out out of the idyllic you know surf surf landscape of Southern California comes yeah uh, California hardcore yeah music. like black fl- that black flag is a SoCal band yeah it doesn't seem right. Where should right, black, makes, black Flag be from? No, it, it makes total sense yeah. in that, you know, if, you, if you're if you not vibrating at the same frequency as where you are, you need to yes, rebel. Yes, it pushes you the far opposite direction. Yeah, uh, it's why uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything equivalent to that in Vermont because v- Vermont is a, it's such an equilibrium that it's really hard to rebel against See, anything. fish makes sense that it comes from Vermont, right? Yeah, because it's simple simple mountain people. Because you get... <laughs> I get. I think the four seasons it, aspect. They, they are the uh, country bear jamboree. Yeah, it, it, Vermont has similar to California. Lots of outdoor sports uh, to you know test your metal against, but you have to suffer so much to yeah. in order to earn those things. Uh, miserable winters uh, where you know you have to dig your car out and scrape all the ice yes. off in order to drive to the mountain. Uh, California doesn't really have that problem, does it? No, not really. Too. It's too nice. It's too nice. It's just too nice. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I have at an intro level of of this book. Yes. Um, we're talking about California. We're talking about hippies. I'm thinking about hippies a lot. Uh, we what what were we talking about? Oh, the there was a recent TV show that came out on Amazon Prime called Daisy Jones and the Six. Yes. Which takes place in the mid 70s. Kind of all all through the 70s, isn't it? Like they start. In like they the, start in the late seventies or I don't know. late or mid sixties or something. 
and weirdly enough, uh, your two two of your parental figures who were young people during the 60s and 70s said that the vibes were accurate. Yes. Which blew my mind. It did not seem that way to us. Because if it's, I guess the joke is like uh, the 60s and 70s are amazing. I can't, I, I wish they were real. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> like it's really hard to, the more we plunge into modernity, the harder it is to really imagine what the 60s and 70s were like. Everything had carpet. Everything had carpet. Uh, things were actually groovy. Uh, when you listen to music, it, it really was about peace, love, and understanding. Yes. Uh, the the love, the summer of love was real, uh, apparently. Yes. What? Why? How? <laughs> Will there ever the be? The pot a- wasn't even that strong. Yes. Maybe that's why. Yes. Everybody maybe, is now too sedated. Maybe the mids were were what mid uh, mids is the real Reggie. And now we have people, <laughs> you know, weed panic attacks hit yes. different. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's uh, uh, P- Pinchon was there. Uh, he he was mm-hmm. in. He was alive at the time. He was born in the late thirties. He served in the military in the fifties. This book he what year he was born in the late thirties. Yeah. And this book came out in like two thousand six. Yeah. So he's like in his seventies writing about the seventies. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Just something to pay attention to. Yeah. I wasn't there. Uh, also, uh, real estate, uh, you know, I feel like in the process of doing this, we're going to have to rewatch our, the beloved true detective season two. Oh yes. Which is all about, um, California, California real yeah. estate li- land rights. Yeah. Automobiles. Yes. Uh, water rights, uh, yeah. and, uh, creepy fascist cults that exist beneath the surface here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, much, much too much to think about, uh, much to get into, <laughs> and we'll do more as the time goes on. Yeah, a, gro- a groovy, uh, a groovy style of writing. A groovy style uh, of writing. I believe critics have said that this is, you know, this is a this is a pretty chill pinch on all things considered. Yes, you said specifically you did not not what people were saying that like we should if we we needed to we should have tackled Gravity's Rainbow, but you were like too much, right? Uh, for. I do not have a grasp of the material that I would feel confident about uh, podcasting it about. Okay. This is, this is kind of like, this is, uh, um, I don't know. What, what do you call like, this is almost like mass, a mass market paperback, but for, you know, a slightly, well, you know, that was one of the things that always, that, that kind of surprised me about, um, infinite jest is that it was, you know, it was pulpy. Pop, yeah. In, 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 a, in a lot of ways it yeah. is. I mean, obviously there are some big ideas in it and it's very complicated, but it's not, it's not that difficult to wrangle with the actual no. text. Yeah. Especially since, uh, David Foster Wallace's commitment to grammar means that everything it's, ultimately makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You could, you, it's you easily can, readable. Yeah. You can fact check it to death and be like, actually, you know, that this math is wrong, but mm-hmm. you can't argue with the sentence structure. <laughs> Gra- there, grammar there no, is not fash. There are no comma splices. There, if there are, they're on purpose and mm-hmm. they're for a reason. Grammar uh, will set you free. Grammar will set you free. <laughs> All right. More next know? week. More next week. Uh, this might take me a second, a second to get out. Cause I do have to do the Photoshop to get a new, uh, that's very important. Yeah. yeah. A new, a new cover. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.